turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time today. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. It's really nice to be back here again. Uh, how many of you have never been in my meeting? Would you raise your hand if you've never been in my meeting? Okay. Well, it's, uh, my name is Dion, obviously. It's my beautiful wife, Shemaine, if you'd like to stand up. My pretty wife that God has given me. We've been married 29 years. Yeah. January will be 30 years. Golly. And she's blessed me with three beautiful boys. So uh, one of them that is here today is Stephen with his uh, wife, Bianca. Why don't you stand up? Hallelujah. Now, Stephen and his, he has a twin brother, Jock. They were here when we came the very first time to Australia. So that was seven years ago. Seven years ago, Stephen and them came here, and they were, uh, how old were you, 17, 16, 17, 17 years old. And so, yeah, they just got married uh, in this year, and so they're on a honeymoon here in Australia. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, uh, my eldest son, Michael, he got married in May, uh, April, <laughs> and then uh, Stephen got married in May, and then his twin brother got married in June. <laughs> so it's, it's nice the hockey family are married now, hallelujah. I'm glad I don't have any more boys getting married. So anyway, uh, Stephen and Bianca um, have felt the call of God on their lives. And um, they both finished their university, got their degrees. Uh, Stephen and Joe got their degrees at, at the end of last year. And uh, really did well. And so Jock um, has gone in the working side and Stephen has gone in the ministry side. Even though Jock also has the call of God on his life. But um, I just want to share a little bit about Stephen and Bianca is that they are full time under HMI. Now if you don't know HMI is Healing Ministries International. That's the name of our ministry. And I would love for you guys to go onto the Facebook page and like the page, if you would, please. Um, this is our home church. Those of you who don't know that this is our home church in Australia. And uh, I submit under Pastor James. So when people want to know more about me, they can contact him. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, we've been under, under this church for the last seven years from 2011, right? It's the first time we came. And um, so Stephen and Bianca are full-time on board. They're full-time on staff. Um, and uh, they have taken a step of faith as we have taken a step of faith. Because everything that we've done now has doubled up. Anybody can understand that. Everything we do is, is doubled up. But I didn't get my, my son and my daughter-in-law with us just because it's family. Um, they truly have a call of God on their lives. And uh, they come from a very large church in our country, which is called CRC, Christian Revival Center. And they have 50,000, it's a 50,000 member church. And um, they were, they started out on their own as home cell leaders. And then they, they, they just worked their way up in the ranks in the church. 
So, uh, uh, you know, it's not favor from dad's side, but they have a calling of God on their own lives. The reason I'm sharing is that within this week, if I'll be ministering and praying, not all the time, but as I would ask Pastor James to lay hands with me, Stephen and Bianca will be laying hands with us. They have, uh, Stephen has had his fair share of winning souls already and has also witnessed many uh, healing miracles. Um, just this year alone, Stephen has prayed for people with cancer. Stephen and Bianca, cancers have been healed. Blind eyes have opened up. Backs have been healed. Uh, all sorts of miracles that, that you can think of, they have experienced. So I want you to understand that, that um, he's, he's now... Uh, or they are in the pit, P-I-T. Who knows what's the pit? It's called the prophet in training. <laughs> so they're in the training process and um, uh, very excited for them to be here. Amen. And uh, they flow very strong in the prophetic as well. Bianca and Stephen are uh, in the prophetic anointing and they can, uh, as the Spirit would lead them, they would begin to prophesy. So it's not just... You know, my kids are here. It is full-time ministers of God. Hallelujah. So if I do uh, in the week have an opportunity to minister to the sick, and if God will direct me, then Stephen and them will, will minister with us. Is that okay with everybody? Come on, I'm excited. Who's happy with me? That God would raise up my kids. And uh, obviously, you know, Healing Ministries International to leave a legacy. It's not that when I die, the ministry dies with me. It will continue on through the children. Come on, praise God. So thank you, Pastor James, for having us this, uh, this week again. And um, when Pastor James asked me to share my testimony, I, I, I gladly do that. Would you open your Bible in John chapter 14, as I'll just read one verse, and then tonight I will build on this verse that I'm about to read to you this morning. Now, those of you who don't know us, we have been in the full-time ministry, my wife and I. This is going on for our 28th year. In actual fact, on the 23rd of September last week, we had our spiritual birthday. So 28 years ago, on the 23rd of September, Shemaine and I gave our hearts to Jesus Christ, and we got born again. Um, I come from an absolute non-Christian background. I don't come from the Methodist or Baptist or assemblies or whatever. In actual fact, we just didn't go to church. My parents didn't belong to a church. Um, I, I never attended any church service. We didn't have a Bible in our house. Um, my family was on the, on, the, on the drinking, gambling side of, of the life. I think all of you understand that. So I, I grew up in a, in a house full of alcohol. Um, at the age of 25, I was a full-on alcoholic myself. I drank two bottles of brandy a day. I smoked 40 cigarettes a day. I, um, I was in the army. Um, I, I, had, I was in a gang when I was younger. I, I, I did things that I don't want to speak about, but I just want you to know that my lifestyle is completely opposite to what it is now. Hallelujah. Um, to take people out wasn't a problem for me. To, to get involved in certain things, uh, you know, wasn't a problem for us. This is how we grew up. So at the age of, of 25, Shemaine's mom got saved. 
Now, I'm from the rock and roll era. Is anybody Elvis Presley era? You know, <laughs> I love rock and roll, and um, uh, we love dancing, especially that, you know. So when we would get drunk, we would dance. We love doing that. I know there's a lot of people who, who still enjoy doing that, but uh, Shemaine's mom was an excellent dancer, and uh, she, could, she, she could what we would call jive. Who remembers the jive word? And we could, you know, she could really just go for it. And so... Uh, I remember one day um, in, my, in my drunken stupor, we went to go and visit Shemaine's parents, and um, I put on some music, and, and I said to Shemaine's mom, come on, let's dance. And she said to me this, she said, I don't dance anymore. I said, why not? And she said, because I've given my life to Jesus Christ. And I looked at her and I said, Why? And she said, because I don't want to go to hell, I want to go to heaven. And I have surrendered my life to Jesus, and I've completely given over to Jesus. And she said, and you need to give over to Jesus and surrender your life to Jesus because you are going to go to hell when you die. Now, I don't know about you, but when somebody would say that to you, you get offended because I was okay. I'm getting no mm-hmms here. I was okay. You know, I'm not going to go to hell. I mean, I've stabbed people with knives, bashed their faces in with a baseball bat. You know, I've, I, I, I've, I've shot at people. I've done all this stuff. I drink. I get mad. I gamble. But I'm okay. Amen. I'm not going to go to hell. How dare you tell me I'm going to go to hell? Well, she told me, you'll go to hell. And there is a hell. And I said, well, you know, God, if there is a God, why would he send us to hell? What kind of a God is he that he would send us to hell? Has anybody heard these arguments? The sinner's favorite argument. Why would, why would God, if he was a loving God, you know, why would he, why would he send people to hell? Or, or the argument of why, why, if God is real, does he allow wars? Or, or why does God kill children? Who, who knows these arguments? I was there, top of, the, top of the list. Well, in that time period, Shemaine's mom, she also said to me, I'm praying for you. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard when somebody says, I'm praying for you as a sinner, that's like, that's a big no-no. Don't pray for me. You know, God's there, I'm here, we leave each other alone. You know, it's a great relationship. We, I, want, I want nothing to do with him. I, I don't believe in church. I don't believe in God. Just, you know, leave me alone. Well, she just kept on praying for me. We lived in an area in our country where, I'm talking about many years ago now, there was, there was hardly any radio reception because we were in the mountains, you know, so all you could listen to was back then the old cassettes. Who remembers the cassettes that you played in your, in your, in your car? And and every time I would go and visit Shemaine's mom and dad, you know, after, after she, Shemaine's mom, got saved, every time we would drive home and I would turn my radio on because I had my worldly music in there, every time I turned my radio on, there was a Christian cassette put in there <laughs> with somebody preaching or some Christian music. And I got so mad, I pushed the eject button and just threw it out the window, you know, it's just... I just threw it all away because this, but thank God for Shemaine's mom who was persistent with us. Oh, 
you're not hearing that. How many of you are praying for somebody who, want, who you want to get saved? Is anybody believing for someone to get? Well, let me tell you, God's got their number. Hallelujah. Come on, God's busy with them. You don't give up. You just be persistent. You keep praying. You keep believing. And that's what Shemaine's mom did. So in all of this, uh, in this time period, I became sick in my body. Um, I think it was from all the drinking and all the, all the stuff that I was doing. I um, broke out in sores all over my body. From the top to the bottom, I, my skin became full of this rash um, thing, and I was itching, and I would, be, I would scratch so hard, I would be bleeding, and it was horrible. It was, I was riddled with this, with this skin condition. So I went to the doctor, and the doctor said to me, Mr. Hockey, he said, there's nothing that we can do for you. This sickness is going to stay on you for about five years. We are aware of it, but we don't have a cure for it. I said, what do you mean you don't have a cure for it? They said, well, there's nothing that we can do that will take this away, but we do have like an ointment that you can put over your body, which will prevent the bacteria in the air from attacking your skin, and it'll help the itch go away. But they said this thing will leave at about four or five years' time. So they gave me this, this bucket of like a grease that you would put on your body, and it wouldn't penetrate the skin. It would just form a layer over your skin. And if you put your shirt on, you know, your shirt would stick to your skin. It was horrible. I just, you know, I fell into a depression. I was angry. I was mad at everybody. And I drank even more. Because, you know, when you get drunk, you kind of forget the itch. But the, the opposite is when you wake up the next morning, you have a headache and an itch. <laughs> so that didn't work. Shemaine's mom comes to me, and she says to me, there's a man that's coming to our church. I said, please, stop. I, I'm not interested. Don't talk about church. Don't, I, I. She said, yeah, but listen now. She said, there's a man who's coming to our church, and God uses him, and he prays for sick people, and they get healed. I said, what do you mean they get healed? What, what? God uses this man, she said, and when he prays for people, God heals people. I said, God doesn't heal people. God kills people. You know, God doesn't heal people. God doesn't love people. She said, listen, you're very sick, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. She said, what have you got to lose? Just come to church. Let him pray for you. And who knows, perhaps God can heal you. Well, for the younger men that are here, um, those who want to get married, let me teach you a lesson real quickly. When your wife and your mother-in-law fight with you, you're going to lose the argument, so you just do what they say. <laughs> Amen, guys. <laughs> so I decided that morning, all right, to keep the peace in the house, I'll go. So I put on my suit, and uh, I, I, I had my packet of smokes in my jacket pocket, and off we drive to church. So it's about an hour's drive to get to the church uh, that we were going to. And I remember Shemaine was sitting next to me, um, Shemaine's mom in the back of the car. And as I'm driving, Shemaine's mom says to me, uh, she says, Dion, I just want to warn you that this church is not a regular kind of church. <laughs> I said, um, what do you mean a regular kind of church? She said, well, it's not like the church you got married in. So if I could just stop there and tell you that we got married in the Dutch Reformed Church. Dutch Reformed is very 
Um, I almost, if I, if I could compare it, it would be like a Methodist church, okay? The, the same setup and the same uh, faith and belief and actions and whatever. So I got married in the Dutch Reformed Church. Only reason is because when I asked Shemaine if she would marry me, she, she, she said, yes, on one condition, we get married in church. And I said, well, can't we just go to the court, you know, and do it quickly? And she said, no, 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 you, we'll, we'll do it in church. And so that was my experience was going to the Dutch Reformed Church to have a wedding. And I remember when the minister, you know, saw us, I remember me telling him, I said, I said if you're going to marry us, you better do it very quickly. I said, you don't preach, you don't do it. You just say, I do, I do, amen, goodbye. That, you know, that, that <laughs> anyway, so my experience about church is, is, is little, but I, when Shemaine's mom said, this church we're going to is not your regular type of church, uh, you know, I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you'll see the people tend to be happy when you go in there. I said, are you referring to what we call as the happy clappies? And she said, yes, the happy clappies. I said, oh, okay, you know, I don't think it can be that bad. You know, people clap their hands, so big deal. So we get to the church. Now, as we turn into the yard of the church, Shemaine, obviously, she grew up more in a Pentecostal family uh, and had a bit more church experience than I did. And so she said to me, she said, listen, um, she said to me, she put a hand like on my leg, you know, and she said, I just want to tell you, <laughs> second time, and she said, um, there's going to come a time in the, in the service when people are going to speak in a funny language. I said, what do you mean a funny language? She said, don't worry. It's okay. She said, they'll speak in English again, so you're all right. So I said, oh, okay. So we get out of the car, and I notice a whole group of people running towards the church. I want to run away. They're running to the church. Not walking, literally running to the church. And um, we get there. And at the door, there were these greeters. Now, I never heard about greeters. I didn't understand why there would be people standing at the door. But there was this man who was shaking hands. And he would pull people when he shakes hands, and he would hug them. You understand? Now, I'm, I'm not the huggy type. You understand that? I, I grew up as a, I, I, I was a fighter. I was a gangster. I mean, uh, I, my mom and dad taught me, and they said, you're a man. Cowboys don't cry. You don't show emotion. You're a man. You understand that? You're a man. And I said, yes, I'm a man. And so uh, when this man, a stranger, came and he shook my hand and he pulled me to, you know, and he wanted to hug me, I kind of said, no, 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 no. I'm not like that. You don't hug me like that. <laughs> Who gets that one? You know, mm -mm, no huggy stuff. I'll flatten you before you hug me again. <laughs> but it felt like he kind of pulled me into the church. Now, uh, the church was maybe a little bit bigger than this one. There was over 400 people there. It was jam-packed with people, just packed up. Standing room only, almost, you know. And so Shemaine's mom's got me by the hand with Shemaine, and Shemaine's mom walks with me in the church, dragging me all the way down now, it was, a, it was a long type of church, you know. And so she dragged me all the way down to the second row in front. There were seats available there. And the more she dragged me, the more I was thinking, please, no, don't take me to the front of the church. I want to sit in the back. 
You know, the back of the church is a safe place. That's where the sinner sits, so you can run away quickly. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hello, back there. <laughs> that's, the, that's the great escape is by the door, you know. But anyway, she had me all the way down to the front, and here I'm sitting in front. Now, you got, I'm not lying to you. God, God bears witness in my heart that, you know, church, this, this is like a, a big no-no, you know, lights and drums and guitars and keyboards, you know, I'm thinking, this cannot be church, this cannot be church, you know, and, and I, did, I, I was amazed, and, and another thing, now I get there, and everybody's talking, just people are talking, you know, and they're smiling, I don't know why they're smiling, in the Dutch Reformed Church, you walk in, you sit down, you breathe, if you sneeze, you die, go to hell, you know, you just, you, you can't do that, <laughs> you just, you're quiet. But yeah, people are excited, and people are talking, and people are walking around, and, and so the worship team comes out, and I'll never forget it. I, I still see this man, had, it was a tall guy, long ponytail, long hair, like that was a big no-no already, you know, the, the long hair. And so long hair, gets on the platform, he's got jeans and, and, and the sneakers on, and a t-shirt, and he takes his electric guitar, and he goes, and the drums, and like one man, I'm not lying, 400 people, people begin to, woo, yay, woo, clapping. <laughs> and I hold on to the pew in front of me, and I look, and I say, they're mad, they're mad. All, these people are mad. There was a woman running around with a flag, you know, woo. And there's people doing stuff, and I said, oh, my Lord, where am I? I'm in the madhouse today. Can anybody bear witness with that when you get into these radical churches, you know? And I know Shemaine, she was praying. She said, oh, please, let it not be one of those services. You know, let it just be a quiet service. <laughs> so anyway, the people were singing and clapping. And, I, I, you know, it was, it was okay. I liked it. I didn't clap my hands or anything. But I was just watching all of this. And they went from fast songs to slow songs. Now, that, that freaked me out. Because, you know... <laughs> I can say this to you, if you're a visitor for the first time, maybe you don't understand that, but the presence of God comes in during the worship. Who understands that? You sense the presence, amen? You sense His, his presence, and I, I felt that, but I couldn't explain what it was. It was different. It's not like a nightclub. There was something there, and I begin to, I begin to cry. They sang that song, Oh, the Blood of Jesus. And I'll never forget it, the singing this song. I'd never heard it in all my life, but suddenly it's as if, you know, they opened up a tap and tears just poured out of my eyes. And I started crying, sobbing like a baby. And I hated it, and I slapped myself, stupid, stupid, stop this. People are watching you cry, you know. And um, in actual fact, uh, you know, people were on the floor kneeling. I'm not lying to you, young and old, people were kneeling, worshiping Jesus. People were lying in the aisles, on the, in the front, prostrate before God. They were worshiping something or somebody that I didn't know. How I long to see worship services like that, where people will humble themselves before their God and lie before their God and kneel before their God. The Muslims can bow before their God, doesn't matter where, but we as Christians are too ashamed to bow our knee to Jesus, even in a public service like this. Come on, it's time that we need a revival. Who can say it? It's time that we will show our love towards our God. 
It, it so moved me that I, I hid under the pews. I was just saying, please stop this music, stop this music. And then when the music had finally stopped, behind me was a man who had the blackest hair and a black beard. And I'll never forget it. He stood behind me, uh, you know, in the row behind me, and he did this. And I went, what is that? It was amazing. He was singing in tongues. And I remember lying or hiding away, actually, with tears in my eyes. And I remember when I heard that. And again, I'm not lying to you. God knows my heart. When I heard that, I said, I want that. I want what he's got. I've never heard some. It was beautiful. I want that. And so the preacher comes up to preach. And his name was Peter Pretorius of uh, Jesus is Alive Ministries. I just heard this year that he had passed away and he's gone to be with the Lord now. But um, he gets up to preach. Now, I've shared this before, but I still, uh, you know, it's amazing. You get two types of preachers. You get one who would just casually talk. You know, I think I'm more of a talker. Uh, You know, at a volume three, I can get excited, go to a volume five. You know, but then you get a preacher. Who understands a preacher? They they preach at volume 10. You know, uh, but he wasn't a preacher. He was a spitting preacher. You know, he was a volume 17, this guy. I said, praise God, hallelujah. Spit flying everywhere. You just had your hands up, Bible up, you know, praise God, hallelujah. Some had their wipers on, thank you, Jesus. They just spit, you know, getting anointing for free. <laughs> but I thank God that he was a loud preacher because I would have fallen asleep most probably. But he was just preaching, this man, preaching. I never heard, seen anything like that. And he spoke about a man called Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. When, when he spoke about this Jesus, this guy who loved me and, and who went to a cross. Now, it just so happened that that morning, this man spoke about the crucifixion. Now, me coming from my background, you know, my fighting background and all of this, uh, it was intriguing to hear how they took Jesus how they beat Jesus, ripped him apart basically with a whip, and then nailed him to a cross, you know, uh, put a spear in his side, and this is just the short version, but he gave an in-depth teaching on that, and I was riveted to his sermon. I was just listening, this man preaching about this guy, Jesus. And then he would say certain things, you know, how Jesus suffered for us. And in my mind, I would think, why? Why would Jesus do this? And when I thought that, the preacher man would look at me and he would say, because he loves you. Jesus loves you. Have you ever felt that when the preacher is preaching and he looks at you? It's like, don't look at me. I didn't do it. (laughs) Who understands that? You're going to have that quite often this week, bless God. (laughs) But Jesus loved me. Jesus loved me. Jesus went to the cross. He died. He suffered for me, for me, for me. That was the message. Jesus, it doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you. He loves you. So at the end of the sermon, it was fantastic to hear this. At the end of the sermon, he, he said the following. And I want you all to hear this now. He said, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. So, you know, I did that. And he asked a question I was 25 years old. I'd never heard this question ever asked before to me. He was saying that to the audience, obviously. He said, if you died right now, not tomorrow, not next year, if you had to die now, where would you go? 
you know, I, I, I couldn't answer that question. After what he had preached, and after what I'd heard about Jesus, and he preached on heaven and hell, I knew, I knew, if I had to die now, I'll go straight to hell. Undeniable, I just knew it. But then he said this, he said, you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to spend eternity in the lake of fire. All you got to do is call on the name of Jesus, and he will save you from, from that horrible, terrible place called hell. All you got to do is respond, he said, by putting your hand in the air, and then I will pray with you, he said, and Jesus Christ can come into your heart, and he will save you forever. Now, that was the most difficult time of my entire life. And some of you are going to face this today, this morning. Because I sat there and I knew on the inside I was a sinner and I was going to go to hell. But I also knew I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. I knew that as I was sitting there. And when he said, put your hand up, there was this voice that spoke in my ear. And he said, don't put your hand up. If you put your hand up, you'll become crazy like these people. That's the voice that spoke to me. But the other voice spoke to me, still voice. He said to me, you know you have to do it. Put your hand up. And I was sitting there with this, you know, this battle in my mind. And, and I thought to myself, if Shemaine puts her hand up, I'll put my hand up. So I kind of peeked and Shemaine had her hand up. I said, yes, and I put my hand up as well. <laughs> Hallelujah. And on the 23rd of September, 1990, 11 o'clock in the morning, Shemaine and I stood up and we gave our hearts to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We invited Jesus into our lives. It was fantastic. You know, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old man has gone, the new man has come. Have you ever read that verse? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's a new creation because I am born again. Something inside of me changed. And so when I'd received Christ, I just knew, whoa, something in me is different. And we prayed the sinner's prayer. We sat down. And then this man said, not only can Jesus save you, but he can heal you. He, and then he said, all the sick people must come forward, and he will pray for the sick people. Well, kind of my mom kicked me out. You know, Shemaine's mom kicked me out, and I had to stand in front here. And it, it, it's a scary place, especially if you've never been to this type of service. You've never been to this kind of church, you know. And so I'm standing here. There's about four or 300 sick people that is lined up here. And I'm standing in the middle, and I don't know what to expect. The worship team got up. They started singing. Uh, the, the preacher turned his microphone off, and, and, uh, and now, now you, I'm looking. What is he doing? And so he goes right at the end, and he puts his hand on a lady, and he prays for this lady. Now, I couldn't hear what he was praying because the microphone was off, but I did hear this. When he had his hand on this woman's head, he said, in the name of Jesus. And the next minute, that woman hit the ground. Now, I don't know about you, but when I saw that, my heart went kaboom, kaboom. And I thought, did he just hit that woman? He just knocked her out right there, you know. My dad taught me men don't hit women. Come on, guys, how many of you, men don't hit women? And he just knocked, I mean, in church. 
in church. There she was. She was lights out. She just lay there on the floor. And I thought, my goodness. And so there was another big boy. I mean a big man. And Peter Pretor is a short guy. is a big man. And I'm thinking as a fighter now, I'm thinking, how is he going to drop that big guy? I mean, you got to be strong to drop. And he just put his hand on his chest and he was, nin, 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 nin. in the name of Jesus. The big guy hits the ground. I thought, what? Well, I got to fight today. I'm, there's going to be a Barney in church if there's ever been one. And he started fighting, people falling, falling, I mean praying. <laughs> he was praying for people, they were falling, even children, point, point, point. And I thought to myself, there's big trouble here. So I put my foot behind me like this. You know, and, and, and I'm ready, I'm, I'm pumped up. This guy knocks me, I'm going to flatten him. You know? And so as he comes closer, I'll never forget it. The closer he came and I was observing, you know, I'm trying to figure out what style is he using in fighting, you know, how is he putting them down. But then I noticed he wasn't even pushing people. All he did was put his hand on their head and say, in the name of Jesus, and the people would fall out. So I kind of, you know, I'm not that stupid. I kind of said, okay, if it's not him, it must be God. Then I got very panicky. Very panicky, because I thought, if God was hitting Christians like that, what's he going to do to me? <laughs> He's going to kill me. He just, you know, I'm a bad guy. <laughs> so he comes and he stands in front of me, and he looks at me, he says to me, um, didn't you give your life to Jesus? I said, mm-hmm. He said, what can I pray for? I said, well, my mom said I must stand here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I rolled up my sleeve and I showed him my skin, this, my skin condition. I said, I have this condition and uh, I smoke and I drink and I swear. I said, I gamble, I do all of it. Just pray one prayer quickly, but don't push me. <laughs> so he just smiled at me and he said, no, just relax. It's okay. God will touch you. And then he said, close your eyes. And mm-mm. You, you know, as a fight, you never, you kept one eye open, kept the other one shut. Yeah, you're watching him. He said, give me your hands. I said, no, 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 no holding hands. And I'm not lying to you. And I was petrified. I really, I was just, I, I was freaked out. He's just going to, you know, God's going to knock me down. There's pain coming. So he puts his hand on my head and he says, let me pray for you. So he prays and I'm, I'm like this. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. God's going to hit me. God's going to hit. And then he says, amen. I said, amen. What do you mean Amen. Everybody's on the floor. Why am I not on the floor? Doesn't God love me? You know, doesn't God care for me? How many of you have ever had that experience? You know, when we pray for you and everybody around you goes out under the power, but you're still standing. You say, well, doesn't God care? No. This man looked at me straight in my eyes. He said, Jesus has healed you. And I was still itching. I said, really? He said, yes, go home and believe it. And then he went on praying, just like that. He just said, go home, believe, you are healed. Jesus has healed you. Well, I've been in church now for four hours. You know, when you're in church for four hours, if you're a smoker, your lungs do this. They want a cigarette. Well, I took my jacket. I said to Shemaine, come on, let's go, Shemaine's mom. And we walked out of the church. And when I walked out of the church, something had changed on the inside. Undeniable. I just knew that I'd, I had changed. I got to the car. As a smoker would do, you would go for your packet of cigarettes, you know, to have a light up a cigarette at the car. And when I put my hand in my jacket pocket, I took my smokes out, 
and I looked at Shemaine, and she looked at me, and I looked at the cigarettes, and I said to her, I'm never going to smoke again. And I broke the packet, threw away, and it's now been almost, well, it is 28 years, I haven't touched the cigarette again. God just instantly set me free. Hallelujah. So this week, if you are struggling with some form of addiction, let me tell you, God can deliver you. If you want to be free, you'll be free. We got in the car, we drove home. It was amazing. I just, you know, everything was God, Jesus. It was just so amazing. It, it was as if a, a screen in front of my eyes had been removed. Who understands that born-again experience, that, that haziness? Was, it, everything just became clear. I just, I just had this clarity inside of me. Well, we got home, and um, I dropped Shemaine's mom off. We, we got home. And I said, Shemaine, help me. I had a, a, a cabinet full of alcohol, lots of booze. And I took all the booze that I had. I went to the toilet and I flushed it down the toilet. I never touched a drop again. Hallelujah. Jesus set me free from being an alcoholic. Come on, you can give God a bigger clap than that. He set me free. Set me free. Now, you'll hear me preach this week. And some people take great offense at me when I do this. But I hate alcohol. I hate it with a passion. I hate what alcohol can do. I still see the destruction. I think alcohol is more worse than what it is taking, taking, you know, smoking marijuana or doing something. I think alcohol is the most addictive, most murdering drug that we can get on this earth today. And I hate it with a passion. And I wish they would take it all out. But that's me. You see, nobody's saying amen here. <laughs> It's like, are we in a Christian church here? Who agrees with me? I mean, there should be no alcohol if you look at what it does to people. And I don't have to drink anymore to get a personality. Have you noticed that people won't even go to a wedding if there's no alcohol? They need booze to develop a personality. I don't need that. I have a personality. Bless God. Come on, somebody. Just turn your and say, he's speaking to you, not to me. Bless God. It's amazing. And I know I'm in Australia. <laughs> but you know what? You don't need your alcohol. Thanks, Pastor James. I'm getting one, one support here. I was instantly delivered from, from alcoholism. I went to the shower when I threw all that away. Because remember, I still had this grease stuff on my body. I took a shower. And when I got out of the shower, I looked at my body and I was completely healed from the top of my head to my feet. There was not one mark on my skin. Completely, completely healed. It was fantastic. I, there's, there's nobody who can tell me God doesn't heal because I am a, a living testimony of God's healing power. I phoned Shemaine's mom up. I was so excited. You know, I said, Mom, guess what? Guess what? She said, what? I said, I'm healed. I'm healed. Jesus healed my body. And she was all excited as I was. And I said to her, I said, Mom, do you remember in church, the people were speaking in that strange, funny language? She said, yes, we call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, whatever. I want that. How do I get that? And she said, well, go into your bedroom, go on your knees, and pray and ask God to baptize you with His Holy Spirit. I said, okay, I can do that. What must I do then? She said, then wait on God, open your mouth, and he'll give you words to speak. 
So it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. I said to Shemaine, I'm going to go and pray now. I went into our spare bedroom in the house that we had, and I shut the door behind me, and, and I went to the bed that was there, and I knelt by the bed, and I remember as clear as, 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 as I'm here with, in front of you, I remember on my knees, I said this. I said, hello, are you here? <laughs> I was so scared, you know. I never prayed. I don't know how to pray. I said, God, I said, I, I don't know what happened to me, and, and I don't know what's going on. I said, but I want what they had in church. And I said, and, and mom said, I must ask you for the Holy Spirit, so... I don't know, but please give me the Holy Spirit. And I opened my mouth. (laughs) And I had my mouth open for four hours. I was waiting, four hours on on my knees, waiting for God to fill me with His Holy Spirit. Nothing happened at that time. And I fell asleep on my knees. I fell asleep on the bed. I woke up, and again, whether you would believe me or not, I know it's the truth. I woke up with a very, very bright light in the room. It wasn't the sun shining in. It wasn't fluorescent lights. It was a light as clear as anything. And I remember when I got up, there was a presence behind me. I could feel where this light was coming from. And I knew at that point I wasn't alone in the room. And when I turned around, Jesus stood in my bedroom with his arms open wide, and he looked at me, and he smiled at me. And when he looked at me, there is a, let me say this. The Bible speaks about Jesus who has fire in his eyes. That fire is not flames, as some people would think this flames. There is nothing, friend, that you can hide from Jesus. There is, He sees right through you, in you. Who understands that? I, I felt so unworthy in His presence because His piercing eyes looked at me, yet... With, the, with those piercing eyes, there was the, 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 the gaze of love. Who understands that? The love that overshadowed that, that piercing eyes, and he smiled at me. I don't know how to explain it. We'll all see Jesus one day. Who wants to see Jesus? Hallelujah. I just, it's so amazing. But, you know, I just, I just, inside him, I just felt like, oh, my goodness. How can I stand in front of this man? It was amazing. And he said to me this, he said, come, follow me. That's all he said. He didn't tell me, you'll preach or you'll do this or that. He just said, come, follow me. And the next minute, I begin to speak in tongues. And he baptized me with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. John the Baptist said, when Jesus comes, he'll baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. It was so profound. It was so overwhelming. I cannot explain to you. The Bible says, streams of living water will flow from in your belly. 
and it just gushed out of me. Speaking tongues, you just it flowed. And it was so strong. And Jesus was there, and then he was gone, and the light was gone. It was dark in the room, and and uh, I I couldn't help it. I was just walking up in the up and down in the room, speaking in tongues. And long story short, Monday I spoke in tongues. Tuesday I spoke in tongues. Wednesday I spoke in tongues. I couldn't speak in English. I couldn't speak in my language. Nothing. Just just in tongues. I had a little business where I sold stuff, and we had many, many tourists coming in from across the world, you know, Chinese, Americans, British, and all of them. And I remember one guy walked in, I was busy working there, you know, and I'm still speaking tongues. Then I laugh, then I cry. Then I laugh, then I cry. Who understands? It's just amazing, the power of God. And somebody walked into the store. I, they said, good morning, good morning. And I said, Kiasu, They said, huh, do you speak English? I said, <laughs> it, was a, it was so powerful. Wednesday afternoon, a black man comes into my shop. And I don't know, like a magnet, I was drawn to this man. And I walk up to this man. I'm still speaking in tongues. And I take him by the arm, and he kind of like gets a fright, you know, because I just took him, and he turned, looked at me, and I said, do you know Jesus? And I stopped speaking in tongues. He looked at me, and, you know, <laughs> those big white eyes and the white teeth, you know, he, just, he said, yes, I do. I said, oh, hallelujah. I said, can you tell me, please, what's happening to me? I don't understand what's going on. And so he was an assembly of God minister that God had sent there to come and teach me. Hallelujah. Oh, some of you don't understand that. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. And so this man, he, he said, what happened? And, and I said, I took him into my office. I said, listen, this is what happened. We both started speaking in tongues because I shared a little bit of my testimony. And we got so excited. He said to me, he said, we have, a, we have a gathering of people tonight. Don't you want to come and, and share to these people what, what, what has happened to you? And I said, yes, I'd love that. How many of you know when you get born again, when you become a child of God, you want to tell the world about Jesus? Who agrees? You know, you don't become an undercover agent, a 007 for Jesus. You, 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 you become a shining light. Somebody help me here. You become a witness for Jesus. Now, I know some of you might say, well, that's radical. I don't come from a church background. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't have parents who served God. I didn't have any knowledge. I did not even have a Bible back then. Nothing. I had an encounter with God. Oh, I pray that God will allow you to have an encounter with Him this week. Who would want to have an encounter with Jesus this one? Come on. I'm serious. You know, a lot of people say, yeah, I don't want to. They don't mean it. If you want an encounter with God, I'd expect each and every one of you here every night for the whole week. You see, your, desperate, your, your desperateness, is that the right word to use? Your, your hunger for God to have an encounter will determine your, your, your um, relationship with Him, your attendance coming to church, your prayer life, your studying of the Word. That all depends on how hungry you are for God. Amen. Wow, go to church every night. Are you crazy? Once, once a week is enough for me. Yeah, what are you going to do when you go to heaven one day, friend? 
You didn't hear that. Listen, are you looking? What are you going to do for, for in heaven? You'll be in church every day of your life. For eternity. If you can't handle seven days a week, you know, going to church, you're in trouble when you go to heaven, I'm telling you. Okay, old joke. I got in the car, phone Shemaine, I said, this man just invited me to go to church, and, and she said, oh, okay, that's nice, and so we get into the car, we drove uh, up a, a, a mountainous area where we stayed, and when I got there, there were 400 people in a little church, um, a school building, 400 people. And I said to the pastor, his name was John, I said, John, I thought you said this is a small gathering. He said, yes, yes, it's, it's a small gathering of people. <laughs> so we walk in in the building, and as we walk in, on this side were six witch doctors, traditionally clothed in the leopard skins and the shields and drums and stuff like that. There they were sitting. We walked past, in the middle aisle was a, a black lady, 74 years old, who had fallen, broken her leg, that the bone literally protruded out of the skin. It was swollen, it was bloody, it was horrible. They just took a towel and wrapped it around it, you know, but the bone was sticking out. And I walked across and I sat on this side with John. And I said to John, what's going on here? And he said, this is not a regular church service. The witch doctors have come to the village. They've got all the people together and they, they ask for money and then they exercise their traditional healing. How many of you know witch doctors is of the devil? Come on, I need an amen here. You don't go to a witch doctor. So... John gets up and he speaks to these people and he says to them in English, he says, I know that the witch doctors are here to do whatever they're going to do. He says, but I want to tell you this. Now he's speaking to this audience. He says, today you will experience Jesus Christ and you will see the power of God like you've never seen before. Now this is John. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, hey, John's going to preach and it's going to be awesome. He's going to talk to the people. And then John turns around, he looks at me, he points his finger to me. I always make this silly joke, but it's the longest black finger I've ever seen in my life because he's pointing right at me. And he said, come here. And I said to him, no, 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 no. He said, come here. And I thought he wanted to ask me something. And when I walked up to John, he, he had an English Bible, a New King James Bible. He took the Bible, put it in my tummy, and he said, you preach. And he sits down. I don't think you understand that. Who's, who's heard the term being thrown in the deep end? I'm three days old in Jesus, okay? Three days old. I, I, all I know is speaking in tongues, because that's all that happened to me. And I got saved and healed on Sunday. That's all I know. And so I'm holding the Bible in my tummy, and I'm thinking, what am I going to tell these people? I haven't gone to Bible cemetery school, you know? Oh, sorry, uh, seminary school. <laughs> You'll catch that later on. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know how to preach. I, I have no idea about the Bible. Nothing, nothing. I didn't even, as a child, I didn't even go to Sunday school. Nothing. So I'm holding the Bible, and I did something that you shouldn't do, but it, it only worked at once for me. The Bible, I let it purposely, accidentally fall to the ground. 
And as the Bible fell to the ground, it fell open. I picked it up and I said, let's read. (laughs) And the Bible fell open. And I know a lot of you are not believing me, but that's okay. The Bible fell open in 1 Kings chapter 18, the story of Elijah and the 450 bold prophets. Who knows that story? If you don't know it, well, I didn't know it either. I didn't even know who Elijah was. Because when I read it, it says Elijah went and he challenged the bold prophets. So my first conclusion is Elijah good, bold prophets bad. You know, Elijah must be good. He's got his name written in the Bible. He must be a good guy. And so (laughs) Elijah challenges these bold prophets and he says to them, build an altar, bring an offering and pray to your God. If your God answers with fire, we know he's the real God. But if your God doesn't answer with fire... Then I will build an altar, bring an offering, and I'll pray to my God. If my God answers with fire, then we know who's the real God. Now, the first thing I notice about that, and if I can throw this in in my testimony, Elijah would not have made a challenge like that if he didn't know who his God was. You see, a lot of us say we know Jesus. A lot of us talk about a healing Jesus. We even say he's a loving Jesus, but most of us here in this room don't know how to prove that. You don't know how to prove this Jesus that we worship. I'll teach you this week. Come on, who wants an encounter with God? I don't want to serve him with lips. I don't want to serve him with my lips. I want to serve him with everything inside of me. The world out there needs to know that what we have in here is real. Who understands it? It's real. It's not make-believe. It's not just, you know, some little, little get-together gospel club meeting that we have. This is the reality. There is a God whose name is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Give Him praise if you agree with me. Come on. He's alive. He's real. <laughs> so I'm reading the story. And as I read the story, here's this lady with a broken leg. And Jesus healed me Sunday at church, right? He set me free. I saw Jesus on Sunday, people standing up out of wheelchairs. I saw blind eyes being healed Sunday in church. So I'm thinking, hang on, if Jesus can heal me, he can heal the woman with a broken leg. Right? How many of you agree? With God, all things are possible to those who believe. Just got to believe. And I only read the first portion of the story. Elijah challenging the bold prophets. The bold prophets went, they built an altar. They brought their offering, you know, and they prayed from the morning till the evening. They prayed right through the day, screaming, cutting themselves, doing all kinds of stuff, you know, for, the, for their God to answer with fire, but nothing happened. Elijah just sat on the hill watching all of this stuff. And while I'm reading this, I see the woman with a broken leg, and I, and I said to John, I said, John, Bring that lady. Come help me. And we pick the lady up, and they lay her in front of me on a stretcher, 74 years old, broken leg, in agony, pain. If you wonder why didn't she go to hospital, there's no hospitals there. There's no doctors there. And there she was lying there. And I, I, I turn around, and I look at the witch doctors. And I say to the witch doctors, you've come to do traditional healing. I challenge you, heal this broken leg right now. 
How many of you know when you get radically saved, you do radical things? Turn to your neighbor, would you? Would you help me? Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time for you to become radical again. Come on, you're not radical enough even to tell your neighbor to be radical. Come on, be radical for Jesus. The witch doctors accepted my challenge. They formed a circle around this lady, and they started beating the drum, and people started in the audience started jumping up and down, and they were dancing and doing their thing, you know, and there was, and I only discovered now, you know, it was demons manifesting in that place. It wasn't a church service. Please understand this. It was not a church service. And so the demons started manifesting. The witch doctors were throwing powder and water on this poor woman. Another guy was pulling on her leg, and she was in agony, and she was screaming. It was quite chaotic. I'm not lying to you. And old John just looked at me with big old eyes, you know. And I'm standing with my back against the wall. I'm holding the Bible like this, and I'm looking at what's going on. And it so happened that in the story it says, and Elijah said to the bold prophets, he said, why don't you shout a little bit louder? Perhaps your God's sleeping. <laughs> And so I, I read and I said, hey, shout louder. Maybe your ancestors are sleeping. And, bum, 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 bum. and they started dancing and shouting louder. And I'm not lying to you. <clears throat> I read on, it says, and the bold prophets cut themselves. And when I read that, one of the, the witch doctors took his spear, he cut himself, and he wiped the blood on that woman. How many of you know the devil is pathetic? I'm not getting an amen here. The devil is a liar. He's the father of lies. The devil can only copycat. He cannot produce a truth. There is one truth, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? It's only the blood of Jesus that washes, saves, heals, cleans, delivers. That's the blood of our Savior. The devil cannot copy that. Hallelujah. You know, that's why Satanists would drink blood and kill babies and, you know, do stuff like that. Because they are hungering for something of the truth, but they cannot find it. The only truth is in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? The truth is in Jesus. He is the truth, the way, and the life. Hallelujah. So they, they're doing all of this. I'm, I'm, I'm holding my Bible for about 20 minutes. They're busy with this woman. It's not working. I said to John, come here. Help me again. John says, what? I said, tell them to stop, stop, stop. They must sit down. It's not working. So eventually, they all sit down. They were mad. They were angry at me. And the witch doctors were angry at me. And I said, it's okay. And the, the poor lady, that you know, her eyes this big. She's in agony. I said, don't worry, mama. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. Just relax. And I took the Bible because I hadn't finished the story yet. And so when everybody quieted down, I said, let me finish the story. And uh, Elijah goes and he builds an altar. He brings an offering. He throws water over the offering. How many of you know that's a miracle right there? Water, fire, don't mix. In other words, no trickery. No trickery. And so... Uh, uh, when I'm busy reading this, Elijah goes and they bring the offering. And uh, at the time of the evening offering, Elijah begins to pray to God. And he prays a simple prayer. He says, Father, I know that you hear my prayer. But for the sake of these people, let your fire fall. And the fire falls from heaven, consumes the altar, the meat, the water, everything. Just leaves a, a hole in the ground. And when that happened, the bold prophets jumped up and down. They said, Elijah, Elijah, your God's the real God. And Elijah, you know, he was a different guy. <laughs> I liked him very much. 
Because he didn't walk up to them and say, oh, I'm so happy for you. He took his sword out and killed them all. It's my type of guy, that hallelujah. <laughs> How many of you are glad I didn't bring a sword with today? <laughs> but when I read the story and the people were looking at me and here's this old lady, I knew I have to do something. And so I put the Bible down and in my heart, I'm speaking to God. Remember, I'm still three days old in the Lord. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God speaks to me as clear as you hear my voice. He says to me, put your hand on that leg. And I said, mm-mm. Come on, think about it. Blood, bone, uh, touch that. And God said, yes, put your hand on that. And I said, okay. And so I kneel down, and I ever so gently lay my hand by the wound. And I said, what now? And then I hear this. Ask me to heal her. I said, I can do that. I said, Father, I ask you, please heal this leg. Guess what happens? Nothing. Nothing. And so my, my first argument with God is I said, Lord, I said, the Bible has a good ending. I need a good ending here. It's not working. These people are going to kill me here, you know. I need a good ending. And then I heard the Lord speak to me again. He said, you prayed wrong. I said, I prayed wrong. I said, Lord, I don't know how to pray. Teach me how to pray. And then the Lord said this. Do you remember how he prayed for you on Sunday? You know, um, sometimes God doesn't always give us a direct answer. He speaks to us in riddles. I want you to understand that because he wants you to think. I don't know if anybody received that. And I thought for a minute, say, how did that guy pray? And then I remember, it hit me like a boom in my, between my eyes. He said, in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Who remembers that? Yeah. John 16, 23, Jesus said, in that day you will ask me nothing. In that day you will ask me, the Son, Jesus, nothing. But what you ask the Father in my name, that I will give you. Come on, somebody. There's no other name like the name of Jesus. No other name like the name of Jesus. When I got that revelation and I remembered, I immediately knelt down, put my hand on the leg, and I said, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus. And when I said that, it was like electricity that went out of my hand. The bone began to push back under the skin like water that goes down the drain. The hole in the leg closed up. There was no more hole there. I took her by the hand. I said, stand up. And she stood up completely healed by the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. It was awesome. People were jumping up and down. The witch doctors were excited. And then I did the following. I said, how many of you want to receive my Jesus? And how many of you want to still worship the ancestors of the witch doctors? Well, you know the answer. 400 people plus six witch doctors gave their hearts to Jesus that day. Come on. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. I'll share a little bit more tonight maybe on, on some of the things. But, you know, people started just running forward. It's amazing. People just ran forward. They wanted me to lay hands on them. And God was healing and, and doing things. You know, and I said, who wants to come back the next night? People said, yes, we want to come back. And so they came back the next night. And I said, who wants to come back the next And so we just continued having services every night, every night. I planted my first church right there. 
400 member church, hallelujah, in three days. And since that day until now, Shemaine and I have still been continuing averaging. This will be the first year that we have not averaged 300 meetings. But every year we've been averaging 300 meetings for Jesus for 28 years. Can you give him praise for that? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> I share my testimony with you as Pastor James had asked me to do that. But I always feel honored to do that because the God that we serve is not dead. You young people that are sitting here, you haven't seen the power of God in manifestation. You haven't experienced him. Some of the older folk that are here, you haven't experienced Jesus. And I want to encourage you that you will come to church this weekend. We'll lay hands on you. We'll pray for you. And I'm believing God for the supernatural. Hallelujah. Last week in Rocky, uh, Stephen and Bianca prayed for a man uh, 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 who had cancer. And um, in the, he came with cancer to church. And he was going to go for an operation. They had already booked the hospital things. They prayed for him for cancer. I also prayed for him uh, later in the evening. But as they prayed for him, he went to the hospital. And uh, he, they did the checkup. When the doctors wanted to operate, they said, but hang on, something's wrong. They slapped the machine, looked at the monitors. They said, the machine must be broken. He said, why? He says, we can't find any cancer on you. The cancer's gone. You've been healed. Come on, Hallelujah. <laughs> he, was, he was in the hospital, they canceled the operation, and he was watching us on the live stream, and he types in, they says, hey guys, guess what, I don't need that operation, I've been healed by the power of God. Isn't that something awesome? He came back the next night to testify how Jesus had healed him. We have seen blind eyes open, backs being broken in three places this year. We've led a couple of thousand to Jesus already. Uh, uh, one of the big miracles I saw, I laid my hands on a guy who had a hunchback in America. You, who knows what a hunchback is? <clears throat> and when I prayed for him, his back just popped out straight. He grew th uh, three inches taller than what he was. Come on, God did an instant miracle just like that. I prayed for a young man who had a lung condition. He was born with one lung that was collapsed. And so he had, only had one lung that was up. How old was he? He was in his 20s or 30s or whatever. And I prayed for him. He fell out under the power, laid my hand. And the next minute, his chest just popped up as God gave him new lungs and did a creative miracle for that man right there. Hallelujah. Come on, how many of you believe in the supernatural? I'm ready for that. I'm hungry for that. I know Gladstone, I've been coming here and we always speak the same thing, but I believe that the good news is we're one year closer to the return of Jesus. <laughs> Amen? One year closer to His coming. But I still firmly believe, are you listening? There is a revival that needs to break out in Australia. There is a definite shift in the spirit. And God is waiting for people like you to rise up and become Christians the way you should be. Can I say that again? God is waiting for you, the Christian, to rise up and be who you should be. Yeah. Amen. Can I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes? Can I ask that nobody would walk now? I'm going to ask that nobody would leave. Nobody would talk. Tonight, I'm going to, I never even got to my verse I was supposed to read. I apologize for that, but we'll read it tonight. Tonight, I want to speak on 
doing the works of Jesus. And if anybody here is hungry to do what Jesus did, you need to be here tonight. The, the verse I wanted to read was in John 14 verse 12 that said, He who believes in me, the works that I do, Jesus speaking, the works that I do, he who believes will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. You and I in this room tonight can do the greater works. And if you want to experience doing the greater works, please come tonight and I will show you out of the scripture that we can do the works of Jesus. I want to lay hands on you tonight and ask God to anoint you with His Holy Spirit and power. But you cannot experience this power if you're not born again. I want to ask you a question that was asked me exactly 28 years ago. And here's the question. If you died this morning, young and old, all sitting here listening to my voice, if you died right now, will you go to heaven or will you go to hell? Some of you would say, I'm going to go to heaven. Some of you would say, I think I'll go to heaven. Some of you are saying, I hope I'll go to heaven. Thinking, hoping, not knowing, not sure, you are going to go to hell. Because you don't have the assurance of your salvation. Sitting in church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Going to a church doesn't mean that you're on your way to heaven. There's only one way to get into heaven, and that is to surrender your life completely to God. You've got to believe in Jesus. You've got to serve Him. Repentance means to change my way of thinking, to step out of the old and step into the new. There is a difference of somebody being saved and somebody who is unsaved. There is a difference of a churchgoer and a Christian. And I'm asking you this morning, are you a Christian? Are you born again? Are you on your way to heaven if you died? Or are you a churchgoer who goes to church because it's my Sunday morning tradition, but I don't have a relationship with the living God? I want you to contemplate and think on this, what I'm asking you. I want you to truly search your heart this morning. Are you right with Jesus? If you did die and you stood in front of him and he said to you, why must I allow you to come into my heaven? Why must I allow you? What would you tell him? What would you tell him? Would you tell him, I went to church? Would you tell him I wasn't such a bad person? I tell you this morning, God will say to you, I know you're not. I don't know you. He's calling you to have a relationship with him. If you are sitting here this morning, you say, Brother Dion, would you pray for me? I don't want to go to hell. 
I don't want to spend eternity in hell in that lake of fire, but I want to spend eternity with Jesus. Brother Dion, I know my life is not right. Please pray that God will forgive me this morning. That God will come and live in my heart. That I will serve Him for the rest of my life. Nobody looking. It's between you and Jesus right now. And I want you that is listening to me. Forget about your parents or forget about your friend or forget about whoever is sitting next to you. You ask yourself this question. Am I right with Jesus? And if you are not, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. And I will gladly pray with you this morning so that you can give your life to Jesus. One, two, three. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands are going up everywhere. Say, Dion, please, please don't miss me this morning. I want to make right with Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I know it's a tough question. I know you don't want to put your hand up. I know you're afraid of what will people say or think. But rather ask yourself, Jesus, you are seeing my heart this morning. So quickly, I'm going to ask one more time. If you want me to pray with you to make right with the Lord, just slip your hand up in the air again. Let me see everybody who raised their hands. Thank you for those who raised their hands. Not for me, but for Jesus. Would you quickly stand to your feet? Those who raise their hands. Come on, let's see how serious you are. Stand to your feet. Come on, stand up. Kate, you can come on up to the platform. Those of you that are standing, would you make your look at me? The worst is over. Please come on down here. I would love to pray with you to make right with Jesus. Come on, let's give God a clap offering as they come forward this morning. Come on closer. Come on closer. Come on, let's give God a big clap offering. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, those of you that are sitting back there, you say, well, you know what, Dion? I I go to church and I love the Lord. I don't think I'll go to hell. But let me ask you this. Have you backslidden? Have you backslidden in your relationship with Christ? Do you find that you are struggling to pray? Those of you that are sitting there, look at me. When last have you prayed one hour with Jesus? When last have you given an hour of your life a day to Jesus? Do you struggle reading your Bible? Is it hard to stand and worship Jesus? Have you lost your way with God? If you are in a backslidden state, I want you to acknowledge that this morning. And I want you to respond by standing up and coming forward and saying, You know what, Dion? I just want to make sure that I'm right with Jesus. I just want to make sure this morning. Come on. God's calling you this morning. Stand up and come and make right with Him. Don't slide away from Him. Slide to Him this morning. As he waits for you with loving arms open wide. God loves you. I said God loves you. 
I would rather you leave this building knowing that you know that you know if you had to die, you'll go to heaven. I want you to leave this place feeling condemned, unsure. No, you can leave this place happy, rejoicing that Jesus Christ has saved your life and that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know there's more of you. It's your choice. God has given us a free will choice. You just respond. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to see revival break out in Gladstone again. Who wants to see revival break out in Gladstone again? <laughs> I remember in 2011 when we came, I think we had over 100 salvations, Pastor. The Methodists and the Baptists were working even with us. This place was packed. Packed. We went for two weeks. I'm praying, God, that He will just continue to do an outpouring of His Spirit. Who agrees? Anybody else? There's such a strong presence of the Lord here now. Anybody else? You want to make right with God. You don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. Just make sure. Get the assurance of your salvation. Just stand up, friend. Even if you're a visitor. We're not trying to rob you from another church. We just want you to make right with God. Join the family of God this morning. Stand up. Do not be afraid. Anybody else? Come on. God bless you. God bless you. I hear the Lord saying, Some of you have missed the mark. The Lord says, I was about to take you into a direction and bring so much change in your life, but you stepped away from me. You've missed me, but know this, it's a good day today because you're stepping back on the right path. And the Lord says, I will lead and guide you. And you will get to that place that I have predestined for you. Do not fear. Do not fear, says the Lord, for I am with you. I have never left you nor forsaken you. And the loneliness that you find yourself in, saying, God, where are you? I've been there all the time. I've been there all the time. Did I not say in my words, says the Lord, that if you would call me, I would be there for you. My ear is not too short to hear. And my hand is not far away to touch and heal. I've been with you all this time. If you will draw near to me, says the Lord, I will surely draw near to you.
This morning you are drawing near to me. Therefore, get ready, says the Lord. For I'm about to pour out my spirit on you. And I'm about to bring a change in your life. That which you've been longing for, I will bring it to you. Hallelujah. Can I ask the rest of the audience to stand? You guys up front, all of you in front here, would you hold your hands in front of you as if to receive? And the rest of the church in the back, would you stretch your hands out to these guys in front? Now, some of you are making a first-time prayer decision for Jesus, and some of you are making a rededication. So I want all of you to close your eyes, and I'm going to ask the audience and you in front, everybody, to pray this prayer after me. Are you ready? I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I stand before you this morning, and I confess I have sinned. But I ask you now to please forgive me all my sins. I truly believe that the blood of Jesus washes me and cleanses me of all my sin. Right now, I do not have sin. I am forgiven. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe that God raised you from the dead. Jesus, I ask you by faith, come and live in my heart. I receive you now as my God, my Savior, and my friend. This morning, I am saved. I'm born again. If I die, I will not go to hell. I will go to heaven. My name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Jesus, I will serve you with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my being. I'm going to change my lifestyle, my way of thinking. I repent. And I thank you, God that you are here with me to help me in Jesus' name. If you believe that, give God a big clap offering and say thank you in Jesus' name. Come on, give him a big, big, big praise offering. Brilliant. So it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that you've done this morning. I don't have to tell you about it, but you know all heaven rejoices whether it's a, it's a decision we've made for the first time or it's a decision that we've made again. I tell you what, it's great. It's, it's the best. But, you know, there's a couple things that you need to do. And one of the things is, is you just need to find you can just talk to God. Just talk to Him about life. The second thing is you just need to grab the Word of God, the Bible, and just start to read it. A great, a great place is, is in the New Testament areas and John's message. And another thing is you just find yourself in a place where you're connecting with other Christians. A church is a great place to do that. It doesn't have to be this church, but it needs to be a church where you can get encouraged and fed. Uh, and there's some good churches in Gladstone. What we'd like to do, just to encourage you, we only want to hold you for about a minute. And we just release you. We just want to grab some information. Just a name and a phone number, that's all. And uh, if we can support you. 
in some way. So what we want you to do is just to be able to go back down this aisle, back to this man over here, Tians, he'll give you a wave, and just into that room, just for a moment, if you could just go now, we'll grab a little of the information, and then we'll release you back in the meeting. You can go right now. If you could just follow Tians, if you could just down this aisle, just for a second. I'd like all our team, our Port City team, to please go and just support. If you could just, for a second, that'd be great. Don't want to hold you up. Thank you very much. Particularly, I know that some of you are from our church. We won't, uh, we can, that's easy, but those particularly who aren't, we'd love to just uh, grab your information. Can we at least tell other churches if that's where you're going to church? Please, our team, if you could go, we'll need as many of our Port City team in there, and we'd appreciate that if you could go and help. That'd be fantastic. All those children with the packs, if you could give them to my wife, and she'll take them at the door, okay, for the children who've got those. Hey, uh, tonight... It's going to be uh, the, the 6 o'clock meeting as normal, but through the week it's 7 o'clock, but tonight 6 o'clock, okay? And uh, I'd love to see you back here and bring a friend. Um, if we've got too many people in there, it's okay. We'll just um, outside, have to do it outside there. That's, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> have a great week. I'd love to see you. We will have a great week. It's holidays. 